So, Joey, Tales of the Jedi, um, little animated series that uh, that Lucasfilm and Disney gave us, follows sort of two arcs that were, what, three episodes each, I believe, uh, following a younger Count Dooku with his uh, young apprentice Qui-Gon Jinn, and Ahsoka Tano from being a very small baby up to uh, post-Clone Wars Episode 3 um, sort of status. Covers, I guess, a little bit of the novel that, that we had for Ahsoka as well, although it's like retcon in there, I believe, as well, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah we can definitely talk about that. <laughs> but um, your initial thought when they announced this series, was it something that you were digging? Did you think, what's the point? What were your initial thoughts? Oh, no. Uh, interesting. I love that what's the point uh, thing that maybe happens sometimes. But li- listen, whenever like animated Star Wars is announced, I'm already on board. It doesn't really, you know, you don't have to necessarily tell me what it's going to be about. I'm just like, you know, we- we've had such good luck with animated Star Wars so far that I'm already like, I'm, I'm primed. I'm already on board. So I was very excited when they started to announce this very excited you know dave filoni uh dave filoni's involvement and he's like you know he's created the characters that i've loved he's created my favorite star wars so it's really a combination of him and and animation that really like set it up for success for me and then seeing you know getting the backstory of dooku which i think was great and kind of helps me at least helped me um understand there's a pretty big change from dooku in phantom menace to mm. uh uh attack of the clones and, and onward i think so it really helped me get more of that out of like more, it helped me understand that more which is another thing i think the animated series really does for the live action stuff so yeah i was pretty excited when something when tales of the jedi was announced and then let's talk about Ahsoka's little arc in this. Mm-hmm. So we get the first episode where she's just a, a baby, to be fair, and it's revealed how strong she is in the Force because she enables to was it tame the uh, the beast that was after her and her mum. And she's pulled into the Jedi Order by Plo, Plo Koon. Um, and then we get the second episode, which is essentially a Clone Wars episode where we find, obviously, Anakin constantly teaching her how to battle multiple opponents at once and we get that great montage of her just constantly being shot at by uh by the 501st and she gets constantly right. knocked out until she learns how to do that and we learn this is how realistically she's able to survive order 66 um mm-hmm. in in the end and then we get post clone wars episode um where she's obviously been out in hiding that kind of runs a little bit concurrent with the story with this story of the second novel mm-hmm. and the inquisitor that she comes across and how she very very easily defeats this inquisitor right. um your overall thoughts then on this arc and we can get into that uh that current <laughs> story with the novel yeah i ahsoka's my favorite star wars character so it's very easy to reel me in that way um i really like the stuff with the tagruta village and her as a baby you know i don't necessarily know you know this is maybe this is another thing this isn't the right language but like i don't know if i need to see her being like the strongest in the force right mm-hmm. like one thing i love about kanan Jarus is that he you know he wasn't the strongest jedi but he was still like the focal point of this tv show and still the main character and still like accomplishing stuff so 
other than that, other than being like, you know, very showing how powerful she actually is, I really enjoyed like the the baby Ahsoka thing and, and you know, seeing her get uh taken into the Jedi order. And you know, the the second one out of 3, like the middle one during the Clone Wars with Anakin teaching her, I really I mean, I enjoyed it. That's probably I guess the one that like doesn't necessarily live in my head rent free i guess i would say like it's great i love watching it i love that i like that montage um it's it's also cool to see how much the animation has evolved i think we'll talk about that in a little bit like from early clone wars to stuff like this Mm, uh but it's it's probably the one that that i think about the least uh you know it's just I don't even want to say it wasn't my favorite. It's not like at that level, but it just, I guess it wasn't my favorite of the three episodes of her, yeah. of her thing in that series. And then I don't really remember all that. It sucks to say, I don't really remember hmm. all that much of it besides that, like Anakin training her in that room and uh, the 501st, just like taking her down again and again and again. I think that was pretty much it. To be yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Um, let's talk about this issue with the third episode then. So I, I remember bringing it up at the time and, and saying, this is not how the story went down in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely a bit of a, of a on-screen retcon, which to be fair, the post Disney era Lucasfilm has not been afraid to retcon their own stuff that they've done since then as well. Yeah. You know, they've written a few novels that they've already gone and retconned with on-screen stuff. So mm-hmm. Did you were you that bothered about it? Did it bug you? Did you like the change at all? Personally, I wasn't. I don't really like retcons when they're recently done. So the novel was wasn't even that long ago in terms mm-hmm. of when this came out. It was only what five six years ago, maybe. Um, uh, it was about two thousand eighteen yeah. or nineteen. The novel, maybe it feels like it's older than that, but I couldn't. Mm. I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But yeah. So my main issue with this is i really loved that book when it came out that was like one i think that was actually the first star wars book i read as as an adult like post Mm. the night you know that 90s kind of boom of star wars novels uh and i really loved that book for a lot of reasons what i don't really understand still to this day is I'm fine with like the creative license of telling the story a little bit differently. And Dave Filoni created the character and, you know, so he, maybe he gets to have final say. I mean, there is something to be said for like someone else's, someone else put time and effort into their art. And that, Mm. that, that's what that book is. The main issue is it, I think to, to cram that book into that, like however long that episode was, there is, retcons but significant erasure of very what i consider to be very important things events people in that story so the whole everything ahsoka goes through in that book is extremely important and powerful up to and including the fight with the inquisitor and healing those lightsaber crystals uh and but the people that she meets along the way are very important to her Mm. getting back into the fight and becoming fulcrum and that's completely erased in that episode 
And they're, I mean, not for nothing, but there's also queer characters in the book that are just erased. There's, they're just like not, I mean, they're just erased. They're not in the, not in that episode of, of the show. So I don't really understand why you would try to like, take such a significant amount of story and shove it into this short form because there are such important plot points for the character and other characters uh and like representation uh within that book that then you don't get to have in the show that's the that's like my biggest issue with that whole the whole that whole transition from from that book to the show yeah, I understand that, to be fair. I mean, there is obviously a lot of time period that you could have done any random episode on on a site or about, and then to take a very specific part of a book without knowing any of the context. If you haven't read the book, obviously, or the novel, you know, you're not going to know any of the context, really, of what's gone into that. Mm-hmm. And so then to try and, as you say, condense it down into that, it just maybe wasn't the, the smartest decision they made in terms of creatively doing it. But yeah. at the same point, I almost understand why they wanted to include that snippet of her versus the Inquisitor, even though she defeats him a lot quicker in that episode than she did in the in the novel, even though he wasn't right. the strongest Inquisitor in the book and it wasn't maybe the most challenging battle for her. She still had no lightsabers. She was, wasn't really trying to use the Force too much to not draw attention to herself. Yeah. And then to just basically do it in, what, 10 seconds against him? <laughs> and just strike him down. It was like, okay, yeah. yeah. I would say for anyone interested who who's listening to this and hasn't read the book, I I I would I would say go read the book. I mean it's so it's such a good story. It's so Ahsoka. Again, there's like representation in the book that's not in the show. And then just her like building those lightsabers that we then see her have in things mm. like The Mandalorian and the Ahsoka show. Like she's collecting these pieces of of stuff and she doesn't know what for and then she defeats the inquisitor and 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 like heals the crystals it's just so cool uh lots of cool like jedi lore and force lore Mm. stuff in those little snippets that that we just don't get in the show unfortunately Then we have the other arc in Tales of the Jedi, Count Dooku, mm-hmm. a younger Count Dooku with his young apprentice, um, and that we see that how disgusted Dooku has become with the um, the, the the rampant greed and selfishness of people that who were in charge of of things in the Republic, um, and then we obviously move it through his little story to see that yeah, we. It's, Officially confirmed, he's the one that deletes Camino from the uh, mm-hmm. from the Jedi archives using Cipher Deus's code, um, and then down to Qui Gon's passing at Episode One, um, and his battle with Yaddle um, in mm-hmm. this episode, and eventually killing her for Sidious. I'm going to let you speak first because I've got a really <laughs> big issue that I'm going to be talking about with these episodes. What were your initial thoughts on this little arc? Okay, this is great. I'm I'm excited to hear your issue since I just went on a rant about uh, Ahsoka because I have not read Dooku Jedi Lost or uh or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't actually know if there's, you know, overlap or any kind of retcons with some of the published history that we know of Dooku. What I like I said before, what I really enjoyed about the Dooku episodes is seeing that backstory, seeing his personality, seeing like his justification for 
changing sides, uh, mm. you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, and seeing young Qui-Gon um, and le- like learning more about maybe why Qui-Gon was the Jedi that we saw him be in The Phantom Menace. You know, kind of bridging that gap, but having a better understanding of the characters' mindsets and why they made the decisions that they did. And and so I more so enjoyed the Dooku arc, I think, um, because I didn't have this like attached history with as I did with the Ahsoka novel and on mm-hmm. like really seeing the changes that they made to shove it into that, that short episode. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed seeing that trans, uh, that kind of like D- Dooku's history in that way. I think I'm, I'm super curious to hear your, uh, <laughs> to hear your, your grief with it though. Um, my grief is with the, um, the issues that happen all around episode one in, in the timeline with it. So from my understanding of, of Dooku's history is that um, he left the Jedi off order, you know, round about the same time as episode one, because he became, as we know, disillusioned with the Jedi and everything that was going on. Um, but he could also sense after he left that there was something out there, a greater power, the, the Sith master. Mm-hmm. that, And he wanted to basically find him and you know, find out a bit more about what he was about and stuff like that. And he eventually gets lured into the dark side and becomes Sidious's apprentice. That all happens post episode one to, in that time gap that we see between episode one and episode two, which is 10 years. He leaves mm-hmm. the order. He decides to search out for the Sith. He finds Sidious and becomes his apprentice, which obviously leads into episode two and the Clone Wars. In here, it's shown that by the time the events of episode one happen, He's already been in league with Sidious before that mm. because he becomes even more disillusioned at the death of, of Qui-Gon, maybe because we see him go off to Sidious and, and he's like, why did you let Qui-Gon die? That wasn't part of what we planned. Um, and so he's already been in league before. Um, and I, like, I don't care about him deleting Camino. It always made sense that it was probably Dooku anyway. Yeah. Um, but the fact that this whole thing of what happened to him technically after episode one, that's when everything happened and leaving the order and then, you know, becoming or finding, hunting out the Sith and, and joining them. Um, and this shows that he was in League of Sidious before that and that he meets with Sidious and he discusses it. And, and then obviously, I mean, it was never confirmed really how Yadala died. I think it was legends really where they said that she had died between episode one and two and mm-hmm. uh, in a mission that she was sent to by the Jedi Council. So that I'm kind of okay with the fact they've you know, changed that from Legends to, to an official canon story for her. Sure. Um, I thought she was great in this episode, Yellow, to be fair, um, voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard, mm-hmm. um, which was I think she did a really good job as well. But we learned, obviously, then that, Yoda talks that way because he's a nut job because Yaddle doesn't yeah. talk the same way. <laughs> um, that was that was a really strange moment for me in that in this as well. Yeah. But um yeah, my whole issue was with the fact that they changed kind of Sidious's background in terms of how he became the Sith Lord Darth Tyrannus, and then just showing that before episode one he was already, while still part of the Jedi Order, already working with Sidious. Yeah, and a and a plan to be going against them. So I had a bit of an issue with that. To be fair, maybe it's just me not accepting it. But to me, that was another huge retcon that they used Tales of the Jedi to do, and mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it kind of did displease me a little bit. But I do agree with you in the fact that I prefer Dooku's art to Ahsoka's in this little series. 
Yeah, yeah. I I think like I just I I think there was more there that that we didn't already have a history of. Like with Ahsoka, we had it in the book, and I have read I had read the book, so I knew it, and I knew it a lot more than what we got in the show. With Dooku, I think there was just much more that we didn't know that we got to see, kind of behind the scenes stuff. And you're right, you know about the timeline with Duke. And I think I misspoke before. I think I said the transition of Dooku between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And I met Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith mm. because in Attack of the Clones, he's very, you know, he he's not as, he doesn't seem to have like taken the red pill or whatever as much <laughs> as he has later at the end mm. of, a, a t when, he's when he's talking with Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. Uh, so it was just cool, I think, to see that backstory. But I'm very so. Where is the information about where Dooku, like what Dooku's timeline is? What you're referencing about him? That, that I'm the show. To remember. I'm sure it came from one of the novels, because um, I'm sure that's why I read it before. And then yeah. I read a few articles not too long ago just to make sure that what I read had been correct, and I was justified in my anger <laughs> at, yeah, at, at yeah. that kind of retcon because that to me was a serious retcon in changing the fact that he was wasn't with Sidious until post episode one and then changing it to the fact that he was already with Sidious when he was still in the Jedi and that yeah. makes it an even more bigger betrayal to me such weird such weird choices to to make those decision decisions for those specific changes I, I I don't it gets it gets it like borders the line of like creative freedom and what the like what george lucas has always done is kind of like kind of cross this line of like what the uh content creator is allowed to change because mm. they are the creator right with the special editions and stuff like that so but for the fans i don't know there's always this kind of there could be this disconnect of like well but i liked it this way and this was the way you said yeah. before why are you changing it now kind of thing that <laughs> I, that we're still not used to even with like george lucas kind of always having done things this way it's very yeah. interesting to think about i do have dooku jedi lost around here somewhere and i've i've just had it and never read it i'm just I just have to sit down and read it. Although I don't want to get more upset at the, <laughs> like, the potential retcons in the shows and stuff. But <laughs> Just to wrap up then our little chat about Tales of the Jedi before we move on. So season two already been announced that we're going to be getting it. Anyone in particular you would like to see? Because um, I have one favorite I think a lot of people have said would love to see, and that's Balin Skull. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would definitely be one I would love to see. It would be interesting how, how to see if it's super different or if it's kind of a parallel to Dooku's story, like just a very jaded character by the end and and the stuff we we hear him say to Shin. It's all very yeah, just very jaded and like faithless. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him get to that point. I think, you know, Ventress is at the top of mind with the Bad Batch season three coming out. Mm. And I really like something like uh, a Dark Disciple um, story 
don't retcon any of that book, <laughs> but like tell a bit of that story, like those lost Clone Wars episodes we got to see. I think that's my that's my real answer. Like incorporating some of those like never completed or lost Clone Clone Wars episodes uh, into Tales of the Jedi. I would love to see that. I would also just love to see them continue down this road, like Tales of the Jedi, a Tales of the Sith type stuff. Um, especially with like what we so far have the future planned for Star Wars. Um, so yeah, I would, I would just it, really any character I would love to see more of, but Ventress right now is at the top of mind for me. Welcome to the Galactic Core Podcast, here to review the latest films and TV shows from all your favorite intergalactic universes. Now, now, it's time to get your geek on. Please welcome your host, the prophesized chosen one, it's Andy. Welcome back to the Galactic Core Podcast. I am Andy, your host, as I am always to chat to you about Star Wars, Marvel, DC, everything nerdy and geeky in between. Uh, this week's episode, I am continuing my journey reviewing all of Star Wars, every film, every TV show, every episode, maybe not every episode individually, but you uh -huh. know what I mean, every episode of every single show. I was doing it pretty much in, um, in timeline order. So by now, you've already seen episode one and episode two come out, which means that we have arrived at the Clone Wars. I have a very special guest to chat to me about this. Um, we have been chatting for months about getting this episode done because when I mentioned to him that I wanted to do a review of all Star Wars and he mentioned that he loved Clone Wars, I was like, perfect. Don't even need to talk about it. You can come back on and do this. Been on the show before, and so I'm more than welcome, uh, more than happy, I should say, to welcome back to the show from the Krypton to Alderaan podcast, it's Joey. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> happy to be here very excited as always to talk about the clone wars you can't once i get going you can't stop me so buckle <laughs> up absolutely absolutely excited to be talking about this it's one of my favorite all-time star wars things is the clone wars um took me a long time to get into it to be fair i wasn't one of these people that watch it straight off the bat no even though i've been a huge star wars fan all my life simply because i've not always been a fan of watching animated stuff to be fair um i don't Oof. watch a lot of it outside of star wars stuff um, and things like that so star wars is the one that has brought me more into it because of the clone wars because of rebels and all the you know, bad batch everything that spun off from from this particular point but mm -hmm. we've got a lot to talk about we've got seven series we can throw in the trashy film as well that kicked it all off to be fair um you know. Ooh, already stirring the pot <laughs> nice um but i'm more than happy to get chatting about this jerry so tell us a bit about your love for the clone wars what is it about this show that you absolutely adore because i know you oh do. my goodness i don't know if there's an answer to that question i honestly <laughs> love almost everything about this show i think that you like there's seven seasons or series, like you said. It it's such it, it it there's so much of it, and it because it was so good. There's so much of it. It left. It got brought back. The animation you can watch the animation evolve. Like you start at season one, the animation <laughs> is 
It's a bit janky. Maybe trips yeah. <laughs> over itself a little bit. But when you get to the end, I, I mean, they, they're it just like elevated the animation of mm. it so much. Apart from that, I mean, it just introduced me to characters that I are my favorite characters in all of Star Wars, like Ahsoka and Captain Rex. And there's just there's just so much to love about the Clone Wars. I, I, and on top of all of that, I know we're going to get into it. There's so many characters that I love. It introduced so many storylines. It told it's I'm I'm a very like lore heavy person. I love the I love lore. So we're going to get into some of like conversations about the more like lore heavy episodes and stuff. But it also really focused on the clones a lot. And I think early on introduced the idea of like what what do the clones what happens to the clones mm. when there's no war to fight? And it very quickly got very politically deep, which I think Phantom Menace tried, in my opinion, tried to do and didn't and kind of missed the mark. I think the Clone Wars animated series uh, hits those political topics much better than the live action prequel stuff. And then it 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 really makes me appreciate the prequels much more than I did before I watched The Clone Wars. Filling in that time gap, giving the characters time to grow and to become who they are by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith, that means so much to me and makes Revenge of the Sith make so much more sense. Mm -hmm. Whether... uh, uh, other than it does if you don't watch the clone wars in in my opinion yeah. so there's so much to love uh, and it really elevates star wars in general for me um yeah it makes yeah. order 66 so much worse um yeah. like yeah. i'm a sith through and through i've already said this i you know if i if the choices were put before me, you know, you take the red pill, or the blue pill, I would yeah. pick that red pill every single uh, day of the week. I've got two Sith tattoos. <laughs> like, uh, so I, I would be completely lost in it. But having said that, so, uh, you know, you'd think as a Sith, I would celebrate Order 66. Woohoo, Red mm-hmm. of the Jedi. Um, but it's, you know, I still, I've always got upset Order 66 because you don't like it. Even it, like just as because I'm a Star Wars fan, I hate Order 66. It's the downfall right. of the Jedi Order and stuff. But, then when you've gone through the Clone Wars and then you sit there and watch episode three and it just makes it 10 times worse. And I think with the, yeah. all the extra stories we get now as well with, they came back and did series seven. So we've got the Siege of Mandalore and the things that run concurrent with that to episode three, and everything that ties in then together with that, it makes all of it just hit so much harder and makes everything after that more emotional. So then when you run off to things like the Bad Batch, the Kenobi series to Rebels, and then even even going into the original trilogy, it just weighs more heavily as well in terms of the the emotion of it all. And that's what Star Wars means to a lot of people as well, doesn't it? In terms of the emotional weight that these series carry and these characters carry for you. And yep. the fact that we then, you know, post prequels in terms of real life time timing they went back and filled us in with three years of of what happened in these three years with six and then seven beautiful series and a and a weird film as well to boot so i keep yeah. dishing on the film so <laughs> let's just jump into that very quickly because i don't want to sure. spend too much time talking about this film but sure, this sure. is technically what kicked it all off this animated yeah. film that got released um and this story that they basically getting Jabba the Hutt's son and returning to him in, in, in 
you know, in, in respect to just trying to foil Dooku and his plans. A very weird story, to be fair, but um, any thoughts on this one? Uh, you know, this is probably the thing I have the least thoughts about that we're going to talk about with the Clone yeah. Wars. I was just actually in a Discord group um, talking about this movie and talking with people who love it, and I had said, I think I've only really ever watched it once. Really. Uh, so there's not a whole lot there that really hooked me in, I would say, other than I love animation. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you where I consume a lot of animation, even outside of star Wars, uh, you know, anything from Rick and Morty to owl house or amphibia or any of those kinds of things. So I, I love animation a lot. And so that was kind of a connection for me with the movie, but it didn't like, if it were the only thing that came, if it were the only Clone Wars content that we ever got, I probably wouldn't return to it so much, but it did spawn <laughs> my greatest Star Wars love in that TV show. So I give it a lot of credit for that. Uh, I probably should return to it and see what I can take away from it these days. But yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to say. I haven't, I haven't watched <laughs> it as much as I have watched the series. And it did give us your all-time favorite character correct to be fair yes. the the controversy that surrounded this when it happened in terms of, you can't give anakin skywalker a padawan how dare you yeah. um yeah but she she turned very quickly over the space of four or five years from one of the i think at the time genuinely she was one of the most disliked characters around because everyone was on the especially hardcore fans as we know they're not always the best judges of, of things to say correct <laughs> um, but you know the the hate that this character got because everyone was like, "How dare you, Anakin didn't have an apprentice. He was always Kenobi's apprentice." He you know, mm. blah blah blah. But she becomes one of the most beloved characters in all of Star Wars and one of the most important focal points for the entire saga um, of Star Wars as it is. Tell us. Well, we went to some favorite characters after this, but give us some, your thoughts on Ahsoka overall. Yeah, I think this, so the Clone Wars movie, was that 2008? About, uh, about, about that, yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't throw out dates that I don't know for sure. But anyway, <laughs> it was very much a, a time when people were still high on their horse of hating the prequels and just like, you can't do this, you can't do that, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff, which still happens today. But but I don't see it as much because I painted myself into this little corner of the fandom where everyone's kind of accepting and happy and stuff, which, which is great most of the time. Um, but yeah, I really, there, like I said, there was nothing in the movie that really connected me to the character. I liked the idea of the Jedi council giving Anakin a, a Padawan because again, it like elevates some of like i i don't mm. think the jedi were in the right a lot in that prequel era especially mace windu but it does give a little bit of like well why don't why doesn't the council trust him as much as i feel they should in revenge of the sith well they gave him this padawan to test him and mm. he you know and it comes up in the actual live action ahsoka show where like his mindset was that they were warriors right he was training her to be a warrior and the Jedi 
you know, not always happy or willing to grasp that title. So he was just very different. So I like that idea of them testing him that way. And then as the show, when the show came out, as the show continued to grow and Ahsoka became, you know, one of the main focal points of the show and such an important character that she's like now gone into other shows and now has her own live action TV show. You know, I grew as that character grew, as the other characters grew. And like Dave Filoni made it very clear that he was focusing on her a lot. And so, yeah, I just fell in love with the character. And she, you know, she's the focal point a lot of like learning about the different systems that are in place, which we all were at that point, I think, as Star Wars fans. So why is the Clone Wars going on? You know, the politics of it, the episode where she goes off with Padme and like she like hates separatists, but then like mm. Padme's friends with the separatist politician and they're people, right? They're not just they're not not people right she yeah. like she hates them all because she's you know she's on the republic side but she goes and she learns and there's like that's some of that heavy politics that i was talking about so i think mm. she was growing in that space as we were all growing in that space and i just like fell in love with the character and going along that journey with her yeah i have to admit i wasn't overly keen on her at the start simply because I think you forget a lot of the time that the start of the claim was she's like 13 years old. Yeah. She 100%. is a kid and she's paired with Anakin, who is also a whiny little bitch at times. Yeah. And <laughs> she was very whiny and meh herself for, for a couple of seasons for sure. until she does start to mature. And you see the toll that the war even takes on her and the fact that mm -hmm. she's like, you know, I, I knew this bit, but as a teenager, this is all I've known. And, I, I warmed up to her through time to be fair and and I think she is a great representation of of what modern Star Wars is in terms of the type of character she is, what she what she gives to the audience in terms of her morality <clears throat> and the way that she goes about things. And you even see that that she's willing and capable of change more often than not. And she still embodies, even if she maybe isn't fully classed as a Jedi anymore. Um, she still embodies everything that is virtuous and true for, to the Jedi. Mm -hmm. We see in the Ahsoka series that she's under this burden of expectation of, of having to do whatever's right, no matter the costs, which is, which was, I guess, a very Clone Wars attitude in a way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she's trying to stop Sabine from doing certain things or tells her that she has to, you know, at all costs stop their plan rather than trying to get Ezra back and all that sort of stuff. And after her baptism of fire with Anakin, which I believe is the episode that we covered together as well, the uh, mm -hmm. World Two Miles Anakin episode, um, yep. you know, she comes out as Ahsoka the White, and she's back to this virtuous, um, virtuous force for good that's, mm -hmm. that does things for the right reason rather than because she's scared, um, which is just a natural, obviously, emotion for anyone to have. But the fact that she places her trust in the Force and and goes forward from there, and she embodies everything that's. Uh, good with the good side of, of of star wars and and the force and the jedi doesn't she so yeah definitely yeah, someone I've, I've warmed up to as um as yeah. time has gone on i would say that's a good way to say it warmed up to like she you, there wasn't much to warm up to in those early episodes and she was a little <laughs> kid yeah. and the outfit was obviously like very terrible like they they didn't sketchy. treat uh, yeah yeah it was sketchy and it was it was just very weird the beginning of the series but i think that they really once they got their foot under them feet under themselves um it really became something very special there are 
episodes in that first season that I think are like a must watch. Um, but, and there are some that I would maybe say that's not the case, but I think it wasn't until a little, maybe a little bit later that it really got its feet under it and they hit their stride. And then these characters started meaning more and growing more and being more, uh, approachable as like viewers. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to just give a a quick thing about some of my favourite characters from Clone Wars. So I've got two big ones that are at the top of my list above all else. Um, One good guy, one bad guy, because I like to have a bit of balance in my life. Um, Fives. Arc Trooper Fives. Um, My my favourite clone trooper out of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, He has got a great little arc, I think, from start to finish. Um... You know, the when we first see him in the Rishi Outpost attack, where he's a uh, Chinese with with obviously Echo and some of the other guys, and then we see their training episodes. I think it was in season three, mm-hmm. sort of a flashback almost. Um, and we see the attack on Camino, where he becomes an Arc Trooper after it, because him and and Echo managed to repel so so much, and obviously the death of ninety nine mm-hmm. um, in that episode as well. And moving on to even things like the Umbara arc, where he's standing up to Pong Krell, um, and obviously then to his final arc with the uh, the control chip arc in season six, uh, where he finds out the truth and is then gunned down by that um, that dickhead Fox. Sorry, ah. excuse my language. Um, <laughs> by by Commander Fox, um, Captain yeah. Fox, whatever his name is, um, and and obviously has one of the saddest deaths out of all the clones. Um, or out of anyone in the Clone Wars, to be fair, but yep. this 100%. guy to me is what embodies everything about what the clones are and what they what they should have been. Um, because you know he's he's brilliant tactically, he's a great soldier, but he's not afraid to realize that he is also a human. And whilst he wants to stand up and do everything that's right for his brothers, he also wants to do the right thing overall as a human. Um, it's because they're so very rarely referred to as humans or anything like that. They're just referred to as clones yep. um, or just soldiers bred for war. And and he's not afraid to stand up for his for his fellow brothers in, in any situation because he's like, we're not just numbers on a page. We're not just the ones to be thrown away. Like some of the other clones we see throughout the series talk about, we're just clones we're disposable mm-hmm. five's like stop that I'm, I'm here to fight i'm here to live and i'm here to make it out to the other side and mm-hmm. but he just embodies everything that i love and everything that a clone and, and a person should be in this kind of situation that he's put in i don't know what are you any thoughts on fives oh so so many i don't know if this is <laughs> one of if that control chip arc is something that we're going to talk about in a little bit more depth a little later but oh, yeah, i have a quite bit, a bit yeah. to say about that but yeah Five's one of the most important characters in the entire seven seasons of this show, I think. That's where I'll leave that for now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your My, bad um, guy? Oh, Mole. Nice. Yes. Um, this guy that was basically taken from being almost a throwaway character in in season in uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace. Um, you know, the shock of him being brought back and go, the dude that got sliced in half survived, Mm -hmm. you know, how the hell would that even happen? And then it gives you a bit more depth to what you can do if you're tapped into the dark side on such a deep level that you can use your hate and anger to survive life-ending injuries in a way. Um, And and the fact that he's then brought back and once he has his mind restored, shall we say, 
his arc then over Clone Wars and even going into Rebels, because you kind of got to include that as an overall arc for him in a way. Um, he becomes to me one of the greatest villains of Star Wars um, and one of the greatest characters because he's not just a martial arts specialist as we kind of deem to see him in, in, in The Phantom Menace. He's clever, he's calculating, um, he's obviously extremely emotional about stuff, but he's he, you know, driven by that purpose almost almost solely to get revenge on Kenobi at different points. But mm-hmm. just his cleverness overall, I think, is incredibly underestimated. He built an entire um, network and, and, and life with, obviously, um, using the underground sources and the different... Um, different pirate gangs and stuff like that, the criminal underworld. Um, I think he is generally, I, a lot of people who love Clone Wars recognize, obviously, the brilliance of his character and, and Rebels as well. But I think for the larger audience, he's almost underestimated because he everyone still thinks of the episode one more rather than, I don't think of episode one more anymore. I just think of him as Clone Wars and Rebels more. Yep. So I, I have him up there. And if I was asked to make a list of the greatest villains of Star Wars, he'd be top three. I think he's at the top. I I think I put him. He's might be my favorite villain of Star Wars, but he's up there with Thrawn. And I I don't necessarily consider Thrawn a villain myself, but he's also Maul is almost the same level of strategist military tactical strategy as Thrawn in my mind based on what we see throughout the Clone Wars. He's mm. certainly a much a better strategist than any Jedi we see. Uh you know, the, I think the only reason he's outdone by Sidious is because I wouldn't say Sidious is a strategist. He's just like gifted these like he under he knows what's going to happen. I think that's more of a force ability whereas like maul is like military strategy and understanding how to bring these networks in together like black sun and, and everything you're saying like mm-hmm. all of the criminal underworld stuff uh yeah i love maul and i love sam witwer and i love listening oh, to yes. sam witwer talk about maul and i will just like give me all the maul content whether like <laughs> on screen character or like behind the scenes stuff yeah I, I, yeah, Sam Witwer's voice is perfect. Obviously, we all know him from um, The Force Unleashed. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, before he even came back to do Maul, he did, he voiced the son from the Mortis arc in, in Clone Wars, didn't he? So, and then we get him as Maul. And then you can't picture him as anyone else. And I know he appears in almost every single Star Wars project now in some form or another, whether right. he's doing a, a voice or he's under a helmet somewhere. And that just speaks to the volumes of impact that this guy has had. Yeah. Um, and forever will be in our hearts, I think, due to the uh, the Kenobi uh, yeah, in, yeah, um, in Rebels. So yeah, yeah gotta love Sam Whitewear for that. But um anyone you anyone else you have on your list that you want to mention in terms of favorites? Oh my goodness. This is such this was such a hard series of lists for me to put together because honestly, like uh, whoever I th- I'm thinking about at any given point from Clone Wars is one of my favorite characters. Like it's all very recency bias. Like I, Ahsoka is my favorite. Maul is always really far. I, I think like Ahsoka and Maul are at the top of that, which I think is appropriate for when we talk about the Siege of Mandalore. But we wouldn't have Ventress without the Clone Wars, which we don't get a lot of Clone Wars episodes about her, but we get some and her redemption 
uh and then uh the dark disciple book uh i really love that character the clones were were always a big one for me like each and every time we focus on the clones and there's like a clone specific arc not just rex you know like you're saying fives echo jesse any clone uh uh oh what's the deserters name he's really when oh, things God, yeah. change around uh oh man that's oh, God, a bummer. why is his name escaped out of my head yeah i it's bugging me now can't remember is it oh uh yeah this is cut cut laquane that's yes. it yeah. okay yeah Beat me so to it. <laughs> cut um like when we when we get introduced to cut and rex meets cut uh that's mm. i think when like uh the theme of the clone wars finally like starts like the thesis of the show changes when cut enters the scene so i think he's a very important character and yeah it's a very hard question for me to mm -hmm. answer because i mean we get the night sisters and mother Towson and mm. all of this like stuff that i just love like the the as as i say on krypton to alderaan the like mystical magical hoo-ha that's really like <laughs> my jam uh so yeah i don't know if there's anyone i can put up at the top of the list other than as we're having this conversation today i'm going to be like oh yeah they're one of my favorite characters over and over <laughs> again because everyone in the show is so that's a well, cop-out answer but here we are well, you know no, it's all good i understand what you mean though there's so many to love uh to yeah. be fair so let's throw it on its head then give me mm -hmm. the name of one character that you hate in the clone wars one guy that when he pops on screen, whether it's for one episode or an arc or every now and again, he pops up that you just look at him and go, if you were in front of me, I'd want to punch you in the face. Mm. Can you uh, give me one the name of one person that you would do that with? Uh, if you want to think about it for a minute, I'll give you a name that, um, that I would do this to. Um, yeah, go for it. I've got two two very quick names. To be fair. One, because I think he's written brilliantly to, to have this effect on you, and that's Rush Clovis. Um, oh, the guy that was gosh, yeah, 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 so yeah, smartly, no, all very punchable face. Yeah, yes, uh, you know, just the name Rush Clovis. It just you're gonna know he's gonna be an arrogant little bastard. Um, and I just love the fact that you know, he obviously works out very quickly. Something's going on with Padme and Anakin. Um, and he's like, Well, why did you fight me then? Anakin's like, I don't need my powers to fight you. He's like, I mm -hmm. do have a metal hand that's gonna kick the crap out of you, but um, and then he obviously just you know, beats the crap out of him. But he mm -hmm. has a very obviously punchable face. I think that's a that's tenement to, to how good how he was written to be like that but yeah i think the for me personally my overall arcing person that i absolutely hate and i think i've had a lot of people agree with me on this so we'll see how you feel but um pong krell oof boy the way I... that guy treated the clones and especially the 501st yeah. which are my boys i mean you can see it on my shoulder here i've got a bunch mm -hmm. of the 501st sitting over here i've got i've got all of them i've got apo um i've got fives jesse echo they're all stood over there and the way pong crowd treated these boys it's criminal i'm glad he got killed at the end of it yeah yeah i think i would love to talk about that the umbara arc and krell and stuff uh i think i'd be too afraid <laughs> so i uh, got very itchy eyes all of a sudden i think i'd be afraid to punch krell that's that's the main thing that would hold me back clovis i would feel <laughs> no hesitation i think you know i don't know why i wouldn't be afraid to punch pre vizsla 
but Ooh. man he's up there for him and gar maybe i'm just like anti-mandalorian or something but <laughs> both him and gar saxon just kind of man they're just responsible for some really bad things happening uh in the show so they those two are at the top of my list as well i never would have picked clovis uh, because honestly, I think I just write him out of my memory of this <laughs> show. But yeah, he is definitely up there. Hmm. So let's talk arcs then. Some of the best arcs that this show has to offer. Um, I've got a few in mind. We've already sort of touched on them and, and said that we would come back to them. But you <laughs> kick so us off. Many. You, yeah, I know there is. I mean, I... I <laughs> When I was on a show, someone else's show recently discussing the Clone Wars, and they said, you know, what are your favorite arcs? And I'm like, I've got a top five of what my favorite top five arcs are, but I can't put them in any specific order. Yeah. Because I love each of them for very different reasons, and their stories are obviously different, and so therefore I don't think I can put them in an exacting order of one to five. They just are my favorites. I can name my favorites, but not in any order, but... Kick us off, man. You you pick whatever one you want to talk about, and let's get into it. Okay. I think maybe I'll start off slow here. And I also can't put them in any specific order, and I'm probably not going to mention them in actual, like, chronological order. But I, I'm going to count this. I'm going to count the deserter. It's, it's a two-episode story. Um, so it, it starts with... Uh, an episode called Grievous Intrigue. Um, the only reason this is on this list for me is because we meet Cut Laquane. Uh, Rex meets Cut and Cut's a deserter. And Rex is very much like, you're going to, I'm going to turn you in and mm. you're going to face, you know, treason. And, and then Cut is like, why aren't we allowed to like, have lives and have families and i don't want to fight in a war you know what happens when the war like do we want the war to end we're mm. we're 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 made for war so we're fighting to win but then what happens to the clones when we win right he starts asking those questions and that's the moment that rex you know we see kind of rex change a bit after that and then we yeah. hear rex say a lot of that same stuff at the end of the series uh so i'm this is on my list because it really to me solidifies the thesis of the show going forward what happens to the clones after the war is over and it's a question that gets asked a lot after this but it was such an important moment in the show to me and i'm just looking at my notes here see episode 10 of season two so fairly early on and it just gets built on from there so that's why it's on my list do you remember do you have a good recollection of this episode yeah decent recollection because obviously rex gets shot out by a sniper mm -hmm. um they injured and they find the farm don't they and they sort of yep. yeah, he's recuperating there and then yeah we find cut with his twilight wife and kids although i swear that those kids are maybe too old to be his um, because if he's only been there, if it's, it's still early on in the Clone Wars, and if obviously Cut says he was at the Battle of Geonosis, um, or and he was there just or just after, wasn't it, or something like that, um, and he deserted, and those kids look as if they're in the like three or four years old, maybe. Sure, I'm like age is they, always they, weird in Star Wars. 
This is true. <laughs> this is absolutely true. But I, I remember just watching that and going, are they his kids? Yeah. Like, they don't look as maybe half human, half Twilight as they could be. Um, mm. But at the same point, I'm like, they look a bit too old to have been his in the last year or two. He would yeah. have had to have met his wife pretty quick and she would have to have conceived and given birth pretty quick and they'd grown up pretty quick. So mm-hmm. who knows? As you say, time with Star Wars is, is a bit weird. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like your call, call back to saying, you know, Rex repeats a lot of the same lessons that he learned from Cut um, in in the finale of, of, mm-hmm. of obviously everything. Um, and it's good that Rex took those lessons on board because like you said, he's very, very much a soldier and a soldier first and foremost before that. And then after that, he's he's more about his brothers, those people that he fights alongside. So yeah, I I dig those episodes. I think that's an interesting choice. To be fair, it's not something I maybe would have expected, but I think it's a a worthy inclusion. To be fair, yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. throw. Oh, sorry. Go no, go for it. I was no, going to no, ask you what what would be first on your list. Like I said, it's not necessarily first, but I'm just okay. going because it's yeah. first on my actual notes list. Um, mm-hmm. Is is the Mortis arc? Um, the Mortis Gods. Um, so we're talking sort of second, third um, of of season three. I think it's about episodes 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there. Um, for me, this is a big, episode, a big arc, sorry, because we get to dive a bit more into the lore of the Force itself, um, which I always love a bit more lore stuff, a bit more learning about this stuff. The fact that there are beings above maybe the Jedi and the Sith in terms of what you know, the hierarchy of beings in the Star Wars universe sort of is, in official canon anyway. But the fact that this is the true and utter confirmation from George Lucas that Anakin Skywalker is the chosen one. Yeah. Um, yep. That's obviously something that when people go, isn't Luke really the chosen one? Or in the sequels, isn't it now Rey? And it's just like, watch this arc. This proves without a shadow of a doubt that George Lucas always intended for Anakin Skywalker to be the chosen one. Um Love the inclusion, like I said, overall of the of, of the son and the daughter and the father, and getting to learn a bit more. You know, the first time that the father grabs Anakin's lightsaber with his hand and just pushes it back in you know, to deactivate it, I was like, "God damn, man's yeah. got some some magic going on there." But it's also an incredibly relevant series, uh, sorry, arc for the reason that when the son almost tricks Anakin into joining him and obviously infects him with the dark side a bit. Um, and he get, gives him a vision of the future. I've got, you can't see it to be fair, it's in that corner over there, but I've got an artist's rendition of, of almost that moment where Anakin sees his future and you get that sort of vision of Vader's, Vader's helmet, helmet in behind the background. Him. Yep. In fact, give me a sec, I'm just going to grab it because I think it's yeah, worth Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that. That is one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars, just that moment with the helmet in the background. Yeah, yeah, amazing. The chosen one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely on my list as well. Uh, I, uh, sorry, I didn't mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is, this is like, this is my kind of star Wars. Like I'm talking about the deserter. I think I said season two, I'm looking at my mortis notes here now, but this is, this is when, it really got to me. This is when mm. the Clone Wars started hitting on what makes Star Wars special to me in terms of how we usually talk about it on Krypton to Alderaan. Uh, this like very heavy lore, extra 
hoo-ha stuff and learning more about the force and learning more about like who's in control of the force and the chosen one stuff and and uh, uh yeah this this uh, and the 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 uh the son and the daughter and their histories and yeah so so much of that lore gets poured into this three episodes yeah is that how much yeah so three episode arc which is just so incredible to see it's something that if if people don't wa- want to watch all of the Clone Wars, it's something that I say you you should really watch just this arc uh, because it's so important to like the history of Star Wars. And it's it's a big arc for Ahsoka in a way as well. Yeah. Um, because she gets bitten by the sun in one of his many forms, gets infected with the dark side, and then is in a way almost killed and yeah. the daughter uses her dying breath to use her life force to bring her back to life and mm-hmm. and this is where this whole embodiment comes from that she is the the sort of newer embodiment of the of the daughter through the force mm-hmm. and then obviously we get the sort of the morai connection the sort of owl that you always see following a sake around after this that we've there seen she in, is right back there in yeah, in every project that Ahsoka's been in ever since Clone yep. Wars, you know, Morai is always is always around with her as well. So, and whether that's the embodiment of the daughter looking over her or anything like that, you know, it's never really been one hundred percent confirmed. But that's what we have to take from it. And and so it's important for Ahsoka this little arc as well. It's not just about the the lore and and Anakin's prophecy, so to speak. Um, it just it's one of these ones I would love to see a what if episode, you know, like Marvel's What If, in terms of obviously they've rumored that they're going to be doing a Star Wars type version of What If. What I would love to see is if what if Anakin chose to stay on Mortis to yeah. to be in charge to take the father's place and be in charge of the son and the daughter. What would that have meant for the galaxy on the wider stream of things? Yeah, um, that would be an episode I think would, that would be killing it if they did that. But yeah. yeah, overall this has to be one of the most important arcs in all of Clone Wars. Certainly one of the most important. The only weak link in this is Obi Wan Kenobi. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have to say. But it, I, I think also, uh, this also speaks to the arrogance of these, like, the human characters in this show. So we have the Mortis gods, the father, the son and the daughter, and the father wants Anakin to stay there to take his place as the person who keeps balance in the Force. That's mm. a big, important job. But Anakin and Obi-Wan are like, we have to go fight this war and it's so much so much of star wars is like the arrogance of people during war times and making decisions that they think are the ultimate most important decision because it's a decision for their side of the fight and they need to get and it's like the entire cosmos is kept in balance by this individual and he's asking you to take over but you think it's more important to get back and fight in this war uh you know it's very much like jay uh ray going to get luke to bring him into the fight in uh, the last Jedi, like just the arrogance of someone who thinks that they have to like take over this fight, which I uh, is also I think a very important plot point throughout this series. Uh, it's very very uh, relevant in that arc. Mm, absolutely. So let's move on to a different arc then, one that I suspect maybe on both of our lists because I sort of partly mentioned it and you said you wanted to chat about it as well. Mm-hmm. The Umbara slash Ponkrell arc. Um, this was a four-episode strong arc um, of where Ponkrell gets asked to take over from Anakin because Anakin's called back to, to Coruscant. 
there's always the background thought of like, did Sidious want Ponkrell to be doing this? So did he call Anakin back for something and then left Ponkrell in charge? And Ponkrell is you know, pretty much already turned to this to the dark side of the stage, and he's basically just wasting clone lives as much as he can, full on full frontal assaults on things that made no tactical sense. Um, and then even being devious enough to get two different clone factions, Kenobi's, was it 332nd, um, and the 501st to fight against each other um, and start killing each other um, before the big reveal of... Um, I love that bit in this arc where, you know, they all decide they're going to go and confront Krell. And they sort of they have that shot where they're walking sort of like a diamond formation and, and going through and Rex puts his helmet on and they go surround him. Um, and then Ponkrell, and we see for the first time someone using two double-bladed lightsabers, <laughs> um, which yeah. was pretty epic in itself. Um, but overall, this was a very emotional um, but dark arc. Tell us your so thoughts. So dark. So dark. Yeah, this is the this is my most infuriating arc <laughs> of the Clone Wars by far. And again, it's like the growth of Captain Rex we get to see because he is on Krell's side for a lot of this episode. Mm. Like, Krell is the general in charge of this mission. We're soldiers. Good soldiers follow orders, right? Yeah. And it is very, it is very that up until almost the end of the the arc, where Rex finally like gets on board with the other soldiers because Krell had set them up to get to kill each other at that point. Mm. It's so dark. Umbara is is just a really dark place in general from what we see. Uh, and then we, yeah, we're just Krell evil, right? And not yeah. just like, not, not brought in, like Dooku brought in by Sidious. Maul, I guess, brought in by Sidious, right? Vader created by, Krell just saw what was coming and made the choice to be on the bad side because he knew <laughs> the bad guys were going to win, right? He, he decided to do that. And then, and then it, it was just, it was always who he was because he was really good at it and it didn't take much for him to like change his mind. And it's not like he went to the, you know, Jedi council and kept trying to tell them that he's been like seeing this thing coming. So just really, really dark and just infuriating because we've seen in one of the very first episodes of the series, we see Yoda around a campfire with a set of clones telling them that they are individuals. They are people to him. And then we see a lot of them, of the clones treated as like fodder throughout mm. the entire series. Like Jedi don't appreciate them. Jedi don't have respect for them. They're literally created in a lab for war we see yoda tell them that they're individuals to him and we see plo Koon tell them that they're not just clones to him they are people to him in very special moments throughout the series uh and then we have th this incredible juxtaposition of krell saying you are nothing <laughs> and you're not part of this future so I'm here, I'm in charge, and, like, I hate you, and, like, sets them up to kill you. Like, it is so dark and so maddening, but such a... I don't know, like, there's a there's obviously a stigma against animation, and people don't want to watch it because it's, like, for kids or whatever. This is, like, this is, in an, this is when the Clone Wars was 
like more adult content than not, which which to be fair, it got to very early. Um, but this is like, I think if you watch, if your argument was, I don't want to watch it because it's a kid's show and you watched this arc, you would be like, oh, damn, I was wrong, right? I would yeah. like to mo so if we do I so that would also be a cool one to maybe get some more backstory of if it would just Krell give me some more let me know what what where was hmm. he where has he been up until that point how like was he always a shithead kind of thing <laughs> tell me more about Krell but yeah terrible infuriating yeah definitely would be interesting to see a bit more about his background but um yeah. Anyone who says, I mean, because I'm just picking up on your point about is the Clone Wars for kids or not, because um, everyone says Star Wars is generally for kids or big kids or whatever sure. you want to call it. I, it's, to me, it's one of those things that transcends the ages in terms of it doesn't matter if you're an adult or a kid, it okay. works either way. But the Clone Wars is not for kids. I don't care yeah. what anyone says. This is This was not made to be exclusively a kid's show. Um, there is too much death. There is too much destruction. There is too much backstabbing and heartache for this to primarily be a kids animated show this was yep. made for the adults <laughs> this was made for the adults to watch really and go okay it's an animated show so kids can watch it and we're not going to show anything absolutely brutal in terms of like dismemberment and there's obviously the episode at the start of um the the control ship arc where one of the jedi gets shot in the head but they both times when they show it they don't show the angle of the head being shot, so to speak. So they do mm -hmm. dumb it down for the kids in a way, but this is not a kid's show. And this arc is the embodiment of that. But who does shoot that Jedi in the head? Um, it was it was Tup, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that starts the whole control chip journey, right? With fives going down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Uh is that arc on your oh, yeah. list? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. on my list. Should we get into that one? Because we've, we've transitioned into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So this with... Okay, I know maybe I've said this a couple of times already. But this arc is just so incredibly important to understanding how the prequel trilogy works. The the control chip. Before this show came out, we got Revenge of the Sith and we got Order sixty six. And so, how how did that happen? How did the Emperor execute Order sixty six? And then all the clones turned on all the Jedi. This arc is so important, in my opinion, to get to getting that backstory to understanding what was happening to to, mm. to to understanding the setup to having this light bulb moment of oh shit uh sidious wanted dooku to delete kamino and uh get the kaminoans to build this army so that he could put these chips in their brains so that he could destroy the jedi years later all of it adds up when you watch this arc we had I, I don't think we had any idea before then of of how this worked or, or what exactly was happening. So at least in my mind, having no other knowledge of it, this is where that all begins. And it became such an important like this. I return to this arc a lot, especially when I want to like feel sad, like you're saying, <laughs> another heavy emotion, which is also the Star Wars that I love, like the emotional storytelling. But everything everyone goes through between. So the Jedi that gets shot 
has a twin sister, I believe they're twin yeah. sisters, and she survives. And so there's the emotion of that. There's the clones dealing with why Tup did that. And then we get into fives and kind of uh, the, that whole thing. And uh, is that when we meet AZ? Is that the same AZ is, is yeah. with Omega? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we get that. But just a super important arc, I think, for making Revenge of the Sith and for making the prequels make sense. Like, if we didn't have Krell, not a whole lot would change. But if we didn't have this chip arc, the prequels would not make as much sense to me. And I always find it's the added deviousness of the of the Sith in this. There are they're playing the Kaminoans as well in terms of they think that it's one you know, Jedi that ordered the, the production of the clones in the first place that put these secret chips in to help temper the aggressive nature of the clones, but also have these secret orders in there in case ever, anything ever went wrong. And so the Kaminoans are being played just as much as anyone else and the fact that they don't really understand what this control chip's for. It wasn't designed by them necessarily. Um sure. And, and and all the stuff that comes into play with it. But, I mean, the reason this sticks out for me is not just because of, I mean, like you said, the, the overall added story of finding out how the clones were used to bring down the Jedi for Order 66. But to me, it sticks out because it's my boy Fives. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, my favorite character, my favorite clone character. So the the emotional rollercoaster that he goes through of obviously wanting to help Tup and, and thinking yeah. that he's going to be okay and, and finding out that there's the control chips having his removed. Um, and then the the psychological damage that then comes from when you go back to Coruscant and then you're left alone with Palpatine, who is the mastermind behind all of this. Mm-hmm. And Palpatine has this just ability to just walk up to him in the middle of his own office and just tell him that he's absolutely spot on, that this is all a plot by himself to bring down the Jedi in the, uh, at some point. And obviously he knows that this is going to send Fives mad and he attempts to kill him in his office and basically puts a target straight on his back, um, on Fives' back, for because you know, everyone's searching for him. And then the fact that he manages to you know, get Rex and Anakin alone and is trying to tell them everything. And if only they'd listened to him, because they're all just like not believing him and... And obviously, he's like, you, "You've got to believe me. It's this is what's yeah. happening." And just just took that one moment. And obviously, you saw the doubt in Rex's eyes that maybe yep. that you know, there was some truth into that. And obviously, that leads on to what happens in part of the the finale of Clone Wars. Um, but you know, just he just needed one person to actually take him seriously, like Rex or Anakin. And then, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Dickhead Fox turns up yep. a bit fucking trigger happy because he's like the Coruscant guard. And fucking shoots him, and it's actually written into the law that a lot of the clones hated Fox after this. Um, a lot of them oh, despised him for, for for being the one that killed Fives because it was well known that he was the one that shot him. Um, you know, you, you've got stuns on your fucking guns, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Why are you going straight <laughs> for the kill shot? Fucking yep. stun him and arrest him, and then fucking he's alive, you bastard. Um, I'm never gonna forgive Fox. I'm glad he gets killed by Vader in the end. Um, well, maybe yeah. there's a chip situation triggered in fox that i'm not trying to i'm not trying to advocate for fox uh but that that's also part of the ambiguousness that i really like like after this point it's like why 
was this decision made at, at any point, not any specific decision, but was like, was, is this the chip? Like, what's going on? I bring it up in Krypton to Alderaan sometimes with things, and my <laughs> co-host Royce is like, enough with the chips already. We can't blame everything on the inhibitor chips. But like, it, it's such a it's a such a big thing in my mind because of this series of episodes. And then, yeah, we mm. see Rex dealing with it later. We see Rex not dealing with not having believed in fives in the finale of uh, the Clone Wars and in the Bad Batch. Yeah. Um, so just another super, super important arc for the entire prequel era. So we're going to leave the Siege of Mandalore to be the last arc that we talk about. I okay. think, you know, it's, we'll leave that to the end because it is the end of the Clone Wars. So I think it's appropriate. But any other arcs that you have got that you would like to discuss? Yeah, uh, I think one of my favorites, It's it, so it's up there with Mortis. Mortis is probably my favorite because it appeals to what I love about Star Wars the most. A close second or tied for first is uh, The Gathering. Oh, really? Which is when I'm not even sure. I think it's two episodes. I should have, I should have taken better notes here. But anyway, the idea that Ahsoka and Yoda are taking the younglings to Ilum to find their kyber crystals. That in and of itself is just kind of like, uh, it's a little side questy, but like it's just, it's just story it's lore that i love like we get to see ilum we get to see like what the trials are like to find the crystals we get to see the younglings adjusting to that and figuring stuff out and get tested and we get uh gunji which like we we need you know we need him he's great uh and I just love those those episodes. They're another one that I that I return to a lot. I just love that lore. I love Ilum. I love lightsabers. I love kyber crystals. Um, so that's one I return to a lot. And to your point about not being for kids and there being a lot of death and destruction in this arc, listen, we all love Hondo Onaka, right? <laughs> we all love him. Fan favorite in this arc. He is very ready to kill children to get Kyber Chris. Like, there is very little room left for Hondo, Hondo Redemption based <laughs> on this. I mean, I love the guy. I hope we see him in future content and stuff. But in this arc, he, like, is very ready to kill those children to get those Kyber Crystals. And that's a bit... Mm, that's very dark, you know, uh, in and of itself for this uh, for this character. I think a lot of people forget about that when they're talking about yeah. how much they love Hondo Onaka. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of brush past that, to be fair, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, in terms yeah. Of it, I don't think how bad that is that, yeah, they were willing to do that. Um, I think he to, actually to says it. I think like one of his men questions him about it and he's just like, we're going to get the crystals and blow up the ship or something. I think he literally says like what he's willing to do to get the crystals. So there's not really any room for like, well, maybe he wasn't, maybe he was going to leave them, you know, to, whatever. Uh, I think it's pretty clear what his intentions are. Mm. Um, so, but do you, what do you think about that arc? Is that, is that one you would consider to be one of the greats? 
I because I think it's actually three uh, minimum three episodes that wasn't it because you got the first one that's Ilum and then the the taking of 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 them at the ship or of a losing a secret on the ship and then going to Florum or wherever it is with things got spreads over a few episodes. I love the Ilum episode. I'm with you on that one. I think it was a fantastic episode. Love to see again more of that lore um, about how the Jedi's get the Kyra crystals. And the way that, you know, specific ones have to call out to you and you have to overcome certain fears to be able to then claim it. So we see, like, Gunji is is impatient and he has to sit and meditate to do it. One of them has to overcome, you know, her fear. One of them has to climb up to get over a fear of heights. And mm-hmm. one of them has to stop using tech and whatever to do it. So it's all great that they... You know, that everyone's own weakness is what they have to overcome to be able to then get their own crystal that speaks to them. Even though, you, you know, the law is written that you can use any crystal, but the one that calls out to you and you connect with is one that is much easier for you to use that is right. in your lightsaber. Um, after that, I, I wasn't so keen on the next one in, in that arc where they are on the ship um, and maybe the bit where they have to be the dancers to try and rescue the circus oh. dancers to try and rescue Ahsoka. Um, <laughs> I felt that bit was that bit was a little bit tedious, but the escape itself and the fact that Ahsoka was kept as a prisoner and tortured a little bit by the look of it, um, mm. and then she still has to muster the strength to keep the, the, the kids alive to fight off Grievous as well. And we get to see Slave One. Yes. Yes. I I do have in my notes I, that it was a four-episode arc. And something I didn't know was that it was uh, released as like a full-length 80-minute feature at one of the celebrations, oh, really? which is which I think would be very cool to have seen hmm. at celebration. Another thing we get in this, I can't believe I didn't say this when I first brought it up, is we get Hugh Yang. Which is one of the yes. greatest moments yeah, in course, Star Wars yeah. for me. And then, like, such a cool character. Again, so much lore there where he's, like, trained Jedi, thousands of generations of Jedi, or at least hundreds, uh, on how to build their lightsabers. And, and like, you know, uh, Wookiee Jedi, rare to the Jedi you are, whatever he says to Gunji, but then has the, like, the hilt from the, tr- the trees on Kashyyyk. To get there's just it's just so lore rich in that sense, and then we get him being a complete badass when the pirates take the <laughs> ship, right? He like yeah. fights without a head. He has a line <laughs> that's something like, you know, I've I've been on this ship for like 500 years, and I'm not letting you know not letting pirates take it now. Something <laughs> like that. He's a very badass character. Uh, it's just I mean, voiced by David Tennant, which is just so perfect. Yeah. Now in the Ahsoka show. Uh, which is also great, but I really, I really love that. I mean, I really love that character and that lore. I do really love um, the the inclusion of him amongst all that other lore was going on. There was something else I was going to say about the the second episode with the when they're on the ship with the pirates, but I cannot remember what <laughs> I was going to say, and I did not write it down. But uh, yeah, Hugh Yang, Yoda. I don't really remember Yoda doing much uh, throughout this, but um, also Yoda just willing to send kids into the cave on Ilum, knowing that it might freeze over, you know, at nightfall. And then I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, the arrogant one like has to rush out by the end, or maybe it's challenging. Anyway, 
uh yeah i really really enjoyed those episodes i i honestly forgot about the bit where they like joined the circus uh (laughs) (laughs) but now that i'm remembering it and watching it again in my head i it is very enjoyable to watch amongst like again the juxtaposition of hondo onaka being like let's Mm. just kill these kids to get these crystals kind of thing So before we move on to discuss the finale, the Siege of Mandalore, I'm going to give an honourable mention to one. Um, It's not necessarily an arc, although obviously part of it is. It's more of like bits strung together that make the whole story, so to speak. So the end of season four, when we find Maul for the first Mm -hmm. time, and then the start of season five, where he gets his robotic legs, he's returned to his sane mind, Um, obviously Beats the, you know, they defeat Kenobi and we get Ventress that helps him escape. And then rolling on to um, sort of the episode where he tries to then take over Hondo's crew um, and him and Savage are sort of beaten and, and chased out. And we get that Jedi whose name escapes me, but she gets killed by Savage Press. Um, and obviously then Savage loses his arm and, and more gets shot at. Um, and then rolling into what I, I don't know the official name for it, but I call it the Mandalore arc. So the mid sort of season five arc of, um, team on Mandalore with Previsla, the dark sabers, um, more taking over, um, and Satine being killed. And then at the end of the arc, Sidious. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to touch on Sidious at the moment, but the overall sort of, you know, Kenobi Maul arc through, end of season four, beginning of season five to the the Mandalore arc is fantastic. And it just shows a Jedi like Kenobi, how different he is to Anakin, because you've got two people that go through in a way, similar things, but deal with them in polar opposites. Um, you know, everything that you, when you look at, if you list, put a list out of the two things, that these two characters in terms of Anakin and Kenobi have gone through and then see, I think a lot of people forget all the shit that Kenobi has been through. And he still comes out of that as a Jedi that is doing things for the sake of, for the good of the Jedi and the good of everyone around him. And mm-hmm. Anakin caves very quickly and does things for selfish reasons and, and turns for, for not so good reasons. Um, and it just shows to me the strength of, of the character of, of a Jedi like Kenobi, that he can go through so much stuff. And, and it, even if he's tempted by the dark side for a fleeting moment, when Maul kills the team, it just shows that he still does the right thing and, and lives mm-hmm. by the sword, so to speak, of the Jedi. Um, but then Sidious, Sidious flowing in at the end of this arc. This is one of my, if if I, someone asked me for the greatest moments of, of Clone Wars, this is in there for me. Sidious in his office in Coruscant, and we're not talking Palpatine, we're talking Sidious. Mm-hmm. One of the very few times in all of Star Wars we get Sidious rather than Palpatine. Right. And he's in his Coruscant office and he's sensing all of this happening on Mandalore from his office and he gets in his ship, just goes over there, and he's just force-choking Mandalorians left and right, walks into that that grand room, um, and he just tells um maul and uh, press he's like you guys are rivals now and i'm here to kick your ass mm-hmm. and he basically plays with them for like 10 minutes of a fight they think they're getting somewhere with him and he's just he's just toying with them in a way and they end up in that sort of bit outside and he disposes of maul for a bit and it very quickly dispatches savage oh, yeah. press kills him so easily and then just when you think that maybe Maul can start getting something back because he's using two lightsabers now against against Sidious's two, and he's maybe fueled by that rage and anger that kept him alive for, for 10 years after being chopped in half. But then Sidious just puts his lightsabers away 
and just uses the force on him and then force lightnings him and more just instantly he's like holy shit i'm so outmatched um and he's like you know mercy please and Sidious was like there is no mercy he's like but don't worry i've got plans for you so i'm not going to kill you just yet um I'm in love with with that particular bit. Um, I don't know if you can tell from the way I'm talking about it. Yeah, that's um, great. I love this. Just the way that because we just don't see enough Sidious um, in in all of Star Wars for me. We okay episode three we get Sidious. I consider episode six to be Emperor Palpatine rather than Sidious um, because you know the way that he acts in there is is still as Emperor rather than sort of the, the Sidious. So. To me, this is maybe only the second or third moment in all of Star Wars that we get Sidious. And so I kind of cherish it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I love that whole mall time frame where he's teaching Savage and they're building their uh they're building their network and they're trying to be they never win. I mean, I've said it before, I, I do think Maul is an incredible like strategist. He never wins. Never once does he win. But mm. I mean I get he wins the Darksaber and he kills Satine and, and that whole thing like is so emotional and powerful. And the part uh, you know, if you had said the word I would have left the Jedi Order, uh, which is what Obi Wan tells uh Satine, which is just like incredible. Um to think about like yeah like you're saying obi-wan stays very true to the sword or to true to the jedi but in that one moment we see the one person that could have like taken him away from all of that um and then yeah to see sidious see i i don't like that as much as you do <laughs> but it's not that like i don't like it it's that like it makes me feel icky and i <laughs> really love maul and i really don't like that sidious shows up and is just so overpowering he just like toys with them like you said and and they have no shot whatsoever uh <laughs> so i i really yeah yeah that whole thing makes me feel really icky and then like you know leads into the son of dathomir uh comic books i believe with with gar saxon breaking him out of whatever prison sidious has him in but um yeah i i love all of that i think i don't love it as much as you do just because sidious <laughs> makes me feel bad <laughs> when i see him and when he's toying with people i i just i love palpatine slash Sidious. Yeah. to be fair um yeah, yeah. i put out a recent episode where i did the greatest on-screen villains of all time mm-hmm. and in my personal ranking um i had i had Sidious at number two yeah of my greatest it- on-screen villains so he is something we need to see more of a backstory for. Like I, I've said so many times, I I need like the uh, Plagueis era, like mm. uh, Palpatine getting to beginning to understand his place in all of this and like affecting the politics on Naboo and like climbing the ladder there, but because he's affecting the and that whole that whole time frame of like the development of that character is something that I need to see, whether it's like a tales of the Jedi tales of the Sith thing or something else, because the Plagueis novel I think has been decanonized. Oh, yeah. So. It's, yeah. It's no longer canon, but it's a fantastic novel. Yeah. But I've always said a Disney plus series with Tom Hiddleston playing a young Palpatine. Mm-hmm. 
I think that would be a good casting for me. I would be more than happy with that. Disney, if you're listening, get on it, please. Get uh, on let's it. Get, let's get on it. <laughs> inciting the Civil War. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure of the timeline of like the Civil War on Naboo between the humans and the Gungans, but if like Sidious is inciting, I mean, he's kind of racist and xenophobic. So just like, <laughs> like creating that Civil War that then like forces mm. the Gungans underground. And then that would, that would make Phantom Menace, again, some of the stuff in Phantom Menace means so much more to me because we got to see that backstory. We need more Palpatine slash Sidious uh, back, canon backstory. Absolutely. Let's move on the finale of the Clone Wars. Here we Wars. go. Siege of Mandalore. I hate the Siege when of Mandalore. things end. That's my yeah, review. Yeah. I don't like endings. I want it's things to go on forever. Yeah, well, I know what you mean. It's never <laughs> nice to see a show that we love end, but mm -hmm. the fact that this show had technically already ended for us um, and then we got season seven back, um, you know, this announcement, they were coming to finish it to end it in what they felt was the right way. Um, you know, the first four episodes of season seven being, you know, Clone Force 99, the introduction of the Bad Batch and the return of Echo. The the second the second four episodes, um, I describe as a necessary evil to get us to mm. where we needed to be for the Siege of Mandalore, because these weren't great episodes. The the Martez sisters were not great additions to, <laughs> to the Clone Wars series. Um and they and to me it felt like a waste of four episodes because you come back for a limited final series. Why waste four episodes on this just to get a sake of where she needed to be? You could have done that in an episode or two. Why waste some episodes on these sisters that weren't okay? We got them as a cameo in the Bad Batch, and it was a funny enough cameo because we got the whole um, sort of like, is there an echo in here? Yes, I'm echo. What? Oh, yeah, I I'm do echo. love that. <laughs> uh, that 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 was good, but you know, yeah. the, but just the fact that we wasted a limited arc on 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 those four episodes really kind of makes me a little bit upset. But I don't think there's any any doubt these last four episodes were nothing short of tremendously amazing. Um, yeah. The the whole involvement of Maul going to Mandalore, um, you know, and then capturing him, the the pure horror of Order 66 um, happening in, in concurrently, obviously, with what would have been it. And just what I love is the dipping in and out of events from episode three at the same time. So the fact that we then got to see a couple of bits where that stuff was in episode three so then we get to see what happened straight after those moments so like you know when you've got mace window and yoda and whatever talk they're all like talking as around the table in the holograms and then when that sort of scene fin finishes and then they have the chat with ahsoka um and all that sorts of pieces but running up to then that tremendously emotional finale episode um where order 66 has been enacted and rex um gets his chip removed by Ahsoka and, and her helper droids. And mm. then they basically are trying to escape that Venator as it goes to crash on that moon. Um, and just the pure emotionalness of what those two characters go through at that. And then what we have to see, obviously, the fact that, you know, the clones themselves perishing at the end. So hit me, man. Hit me with your thoughts on this. Uh, I have so many thoughts and feelings. First is how much I disagree with you <laughs> about the... I. So I love the Bad Batch series. I love it to death. Uh, we have a Krypton to Alderaan episode coming out where we're doing like a recap of 2023 Star Wars and Bad Batch season two is at the top of my list for favorite thing from last year um but 
I did not enjoy the arc of their introduction in the Clone Wars as much. To be clear, I love every single minute of the final season of the Clone Wars. If we're if we're ranking the like three different, I guess like three different arcs that happens mm-hmm. within that, I might put the Martez sisters stuff above the Bad Batch stuff just because I loved we got Ahsoka back and we got to see the I think what the Martez sisters brought to to me was Ahsoka finally like seeing real people. We, we I've talked before about her like going with uh, Padme to to learn about like separatists and stuff and opening her mind a little bit there, but now she's like in with real people in the real world on the ground, and these people, their parents were killed in an attack, and the Jedi did not care about them at all. The Jedi's take on it was like, well, you're you're kind of like your parents had to die to prevent like more people from dying right they don't think this it's like what the the surface level of coruscant versus the lower levels of coruscant where like these the the war and the jedi don't care about the people down lower and that's what the martez sisters brought to like teach ahsoka about like what's really going on in the rest of the world and like i think they taught her a lot like the human they humanized her a lot i think that that's what they brought in there for me but obviously the final bit with maul and ahsoka on mandalore is like creme de la creme chef's kiss oh yeah some of the best storytelling throughout the entire series and on top of that uh get, getting back into like the quality of the animation where mm. they actually like brought in motion capture for the fight between Ahsoka yeah. and Maul. And Ray it Park. <laughs> in right who played uh Maul in The Phantom Menace for anyone mm. who doesn't know that. Um it looked incredible Kevin Kiner, I can't believe we haven't talked about Kevin Kiner throughout this episode. Kevin Kiner's yeah. music is amazing. The soundtrack to the final season of The Clone Wars is a masterpiece, a complete masterpiece. And the whole the whole thing with Ahsoka and Maul and Ahsoka almost like agreeing to help Maul. He's got his hand out. He's saying we could take down Sidious. Like what if talk about a what if series what if she yeah. had just taken his hand like they could like the idea that they could have done that together is just so so that's just such good star wars right there and then yeah on the ship when they capture maul which what like a credit again to sam witwer when they actually capture maul and he's going absolutely like ravenous screaming about <laughs> the mistake that they have made by doing this is also incredible. And then, yeah, once order 66 is enacted and they're on the ship and Ahsoka feels it and lets Maul go <laughs> to like create a distraction. It, like, I mean, it's just so good. I don't know how else to say it other than if you have not watched this show, you need to watch this show. It's so, so good. And 
we see the events play out. Ahsoka removes Rex's inhibitor chip. Um, and we see Ahsoka and Rex like take on the rest of the clone army. Oh, by the way, we also get the 332nd clone trooper helmet, which mm. is one of my favorite designs, uh, of you know, clone designs. Um, and then the end with the like gravesite after the ship crashes, and we hear, uh, uh burying the dead is the name of that track on the album it is something i listen to often because it is so good and we see ahsoka and that's also like part of the ahsoka novel that we learn where she buried her lightsabers and stuff it's just so good from beginning to end it's such great storytelling it's such emotional storytelling uh and they really poured their heart and soul into the final season and i think that like you said it was coming back from a from being away for a couple of years and they just they wanted to end it right and they really poured their heart and soul into it and it shows the um the scene that we that you mentioned sorry of when maul and ahsoka are talking in the mandalore throne room and he's saying everything or they're having that debate back and forth and he puts his hand out to her and he's like you know join me and reminiscent of scenes that we've seen several times through the original trilogy, the uh, the sequels as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then that just that fantastic moment when Maul stood there with his hand outreached yeah, and Ahsoka's the... thinking, and the glass shatters mm-hmm. behind them all you know, to the side of them. And neither of them flinch even an inch. And it just sits there in silence as, as that all goes on. To me, that was a captivating moment. Again, if I was listing best moments of Clone Wars, I would have that scene in there. Yeah. Um, but then again, tell me whether you disagree with this. The it's almost like the arrogance of the Jedi when she's like, "I will agree to help you, but tell me one thing. What did you want with Anakin?" And he tells her basically the truth of, yep. of the literal situation, and she refuses to believe it, like so many do. Yep. Um, and and then that results in their fight and. Again, like you said, a, a potential what if episode of what if Ahsoka had agreed to help and believed what he said about Anakin, and I think somewhere in her heart she she kind of knew that there was trouble with Anakin in the dark side, but just didn't want to accept it, and so therefore refuses to believe, and and that leads to their battle and and everything is that did happen. But I I sometimes want to scream at the at the Jedi like it, throughout my oh. recordings of the, of the prequels, I've talked a lot about my hatred for the Council oh, and how yeah. arrogant they've been. And again, it's just every single Jedi seems to be infected with this yep. modern arrogance. And, and unfortunately, that's one of Ahsoka's probably worst moments in the fact that she had a bit more belief in, in what she actually felt inside rather than just dismissing it out of hand. Mm-hmm. Could have made a huge difference to things. But Yeah, yeah. The Jedi were wrong. The, the Jedi were... The, the Jedi of the prequel era are not good. I mean, there's a, there's a lot wrong. They've been... Like, whether it's because of Sidious, whether it's because of, like, Sith relics that that Jedi Temple <laughs> is literally built on, they yeah. have, they are not right, right? And they enter this war, and they become very arrogant, and it's very anti what they believe they are supposed to be. Throughout the Clone Wars, throughout the entire series, Jedi say nonstop, we're not soldiers, we're peacekeepers. It's said so frequently. And it's so blatantly not true. 
Yeah. Right. It's just like, how can you keep saying that? They think they are the answer. They think they're right. They're very, like you said, arrogant. And they're just like very, very wrong. Everyone, if everyone read The High Republic, read Star Wars The High Republic. It's very good. And it's very much like Jedi kind of transitioning from from what they should be, what they think they are, like what the prequel Jedi think they are, like this big, bright protectors, knights, to kind of infected by the dark yeah. side. So, uh, yeah, that moment where she says, you know, what do you want with Anakin? And he says he's the key to everything. And that's when she, like, breaks. Yeah. What if? Like, man, things could have been... It just could have been so different. It could have stopped all of this before it had the, you know, before it had the chance to really start. So, but such good the, storytelling in that yeah, moment. Yeah, it really was. I mean, that whole episode itself, when, you know, when they just carry on with their fight and up on the beams above the, the city and, like you said, <laughs> Maul just rabbit screaming, but he's like, I would, Maul just screaming, like, let me die. He's like, I would yep. rather die right now than than anything else but then just i just love every episode of this finale but yeah you know, when they're Agreed. on the venator when order 66 does happen and ahsoka lets more go um and she's like you know i'm not rooting for you you're just a distraction go off and do something and we yeah. all gets his his hallway scene where he's like i don't even need a lightsaber right now and he's using the ship to just tear through the clones he's chopping people in half using mm. parts of the ship he's like having people's body parts like held in the force with closing doors that was pretty brutal in itself yeah. and then to walk into the um what was it the hyperdrive room or whatever um and just tears that thing apart um in like yeah that's a pretty good distraction maybe i don't think yeah. i can meant for it to be that bad but um yeah. more's like okay i'm gonna pop off and do my thing um, yeah. just to show how strong Maul is because he, like you said, he always seems to lose at every turn, but you still can't deny how powerful this dude is and this is a perfect yeah. example of that. Um, and then obviously yeah. it runs us, like we said, through to the finale sort of episode of and this is such an emotional episode because Ahsoka and Rex are trying to work out how the hell are they going to escape this ship and in that chat they sort of have in the, in the main room before they go out, um, you know, and Rex is like, "How are we going to kill all these people?" And I say, "I don't want to kill anyone." Yeah. You know, th this isn't their fault. They're being controlled, and you know, she takes off Rex's helmet, and he's he's actually crying about this, yeah. and it's just like, I don't see another way out apart from killing my brothers. And and then she's like, well, "We have to think of something because these people yeah. don't deserve to die." And she's like, "They may die right now because of being controlled by these chips," but she's like, "I'm not going to be the one that kills them." Mm -hmm. And that hits in the feels every time I watch that episode. Yeah. Um, and obviously that they is, go down. Yeah. Hits in the feels. Yeah, feels like an understatement. The, that whole thing. And she takes off his helmet. And, mm. Yeah, it is just incredible emotional storytelling. I, I want to go watch it. When we're done here, I might go watch it. That's how, that's how amped up I am about this. And there's one fact about this finale that I always... I've, mentioned it a few times during my prequels recordings and stuff but it's one i like to bring up because it's the symmetry that we get from this particular fact is that the the moon that they crash on at the in this finale episode is the very same moon that um that jango fett was recruited on to be the clone template so in a way 
this is the moon where the Clone Wars started because the Clone Template was recruited on this moon. Wow. And it's the one where the series itself, if obviously maybe not the Clone Wars itself, you can take, say that's episode three film. But in terms of where we see the series itself end, it ends on the same moon where technically it kind of began. So yeah. the nice symmetry there that that gives us, I think, is a really well thought out fact that probably a lot of people don't necessarily know because every time I, I bring it up and speak to someone about it, they haven't really heard it. So yeah, I don't think I don't think I knew that. If I knew that, I forgot it <laughs> uh, because this is this is news to me. But I now that you have said that, I can definitely be the I'm actually guy going forward. But that is just incredible symmetry yeah i love that so much in fact i would now consider this to be the end of the clone wars like you're saying versus mm. having to watch revenge of the sith to get there any final thoughts you want to put forward about yeah, the clone I just, wars? i just want to make a quick honorable mention i should have done this earlier but i think the trial of ahsoka which is like the end of the mm. original series more or less right uh, I mean, we got that. We got those extra, the the extra series of episodes yeah. where Yoda communing with the Force, which also deserves a conversation. <laughs> but uh, the trial of Ahsoka, also extremely emotional storytelling, extremely emotional ending, and we get Ventress back helping her out and stuff. But uh, uh, Barris, like <laughs> the the turn of a Jedi. Uh, padawan or a young jedi knight whatever she is at that point uh to to the to the extent where she bombs the jedi temple and then frames her friend like that's absolutely nuts and also a very important story to tell and also i would love to see more barris whether it's like in a tales of the jedi type thing or if we get more of her later maybe in uh season two of ahsoka or whatever Anyway, uh, honorable mention to the trial of Ahsoka Tano, because mm. at the end of it, she leaves the Jedi Order. She she walks yeah. away, and that's something that I think really breaks Anakin. Again, it like leads mm. us into like why Anakin is the way he is after that. She leaves him, but she leaves the Jedi yeah. Order. She just and it's so emo. Every time I watch it, every time I watch that scene of her walking down those steps away from the temple, it's very emotional. So definitely worth, I think, an honorable mention here. I'm sorry for bringing no, it up sorry. after the Siege of Mandalore, but <laughs> needed to be needed to be said. It's all good. And it did spawn one of my favorite memes as well, because there's that scene where Barris and Anakin are fighting in the Jedi Temple, and she's screaming at Anakin going, the only thing that the Jedi Council, um, was anything the Jedi Council approves of is violence. And then in the meme, it just goes to Anakin going, Anakin likes a second lightsaber just to prove this bitch how wrong she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the only thing we understand is violence, so I'm going to kick your ass with two lightsabers now. Yeah. Um, it was one of the funniest memes I saw, too. <laughs> it also gave us the, I don't know if you could see it back there, the Temple Guard design, which mm, I have yeah. a 3D printed... Um, wearable sized temple guard helmet because nice. immediately that became one of that became my favorite like character design armor design in star wars it's beautiful their lightsabers are awesome the gold with the white is is just i just love every piece of that uh design so anyway it also gave us that because they're like you know chasing down the criminals in the episode mm. so but that's all yeah, i have to say about that <laughs> 
Joey, thank you so much indeed for coming on and having a nice long discussion and getting in depth about <laughs> the Clone Wars. I love chatting Star Wars with you. It's it's always a good thing to do. And the Clone Wars is a worthy subject for two people who probably, I think it's fair to say, know a lot about the Clone Wars to have this yes. kind of chat. So I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, tell everyone at home exactly where we can find the Krypton to Alderaan. Sure, sure. Firstly, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love and will take any opportunity to talk <laughs> about the Clone Wars. If you have ever listened to my podcast before, you know that. Uh, yeah, so I'm. thank you for inviting me <laughs> to have this conversation and sitting for, uh, for however long we've been sitting here talking about it. It's always, always great talking to you. And it's always great talking about the Clone Wars. And so putting those things together is great. Anyone can find me uh if they search any social media for krypton to alderaan we're on any social media platform anywhere you listen to podcasts and uh also we're on youtube i've been doing more stuff on youtube um so just search krypton to alderaan and you will find us there and tune in soon for our uh, best of 2023 episode i think it's a really fun one so check that out absolutely make sure you're out there make sure you're giving krypton to old run a follow they're definitely worth it oh, um no you are mate don't 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 yourselves you know you do a really good job over there so um definitely worth going and giving them a follow um you can find galactic poor corp galactic poor podcast what well, it is i don't know what show that is uh, but this been, is the galactic Corp podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um you can find my show on instagram um my show i don't know what's wrong with me now um uh, it's all gone to part at the end um you can find my social media on instagram facebook uh, tiktok twitch and youtube um in any of my show descriptions for this particular episode you will find the links for krypton to order on in there so give them a like give them a follow if you're not already following myself and my show what the hell are you doing press that like button <laughs> press that subscribe button um, i'm also on youtube i've got all my episodes on there you can find me on spotify apple music the same places that you can find joey's podcast as well um but thank you very much joey it's been an absolute pleasure i'll be back next week with a brand new episode but until then everyone as always the force will be with you always Nice. Come on, I've pressed the stop button. Man. Thanks for tuning in to the Galactic Core Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. But until next time, go get your geek on.